Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We take a bite of the Big Apple with the anchor of Channel 2 Sports, Otis Livingston, who has been witness the last two nights to Yankees-Mets Subway Series. I go back a long way with the Subway Series, Otis, uh, having grown up in Brooklyn. And the Subway Series, to me, always meant Dodgers-Yankees World Series. Uh, That was a thing of the past. But uh, I will... This has been a great week uh, as an old Dodger fan with um, the uh, opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum in Lower Manhattan and the induction of Gil Hodges into Baseball's Hall of Fame. I don't know why in the world it took 50 years to get Hodges in the Hall of Fame. That, that to me, is just making any sense. Yeah, that was one of the biggest travesties of all time. I mean, he was definitely worthy of, of being there. And, uh, you know, it, it kept taking, I guess, the campaigns in order to get that done and it, and it shouldn't have come to that you know um but he's there he's a, he's a, among the immortals right now his family's proud i got a chance to talk to them once they uh, uh they got the the selection notice that he that he had been selected um uh, into the hall of fame class and uh they were elated about it you know and i'm sure there was a lot of it's about time but i i think it was more so just just happy um that that he's finally taking his place the Hall of Fame uh, has always been a head-scratcher to me. Uh, only, what is it, one player, Mariano Rivera, is the only unanimous Hall of Famer ever. Uh, Derek Jeter misses by one vote. The guy or woman, whoever didn't vote for him, should have his ballot or her ballot taken away. How could I, you, I mean, how could Derek Jeter not get a unanimous vote? How could Willie Mays not get a unanimous vote? How can Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, I mean, the list is longer than your arm, and they didn't get a unanimous vote. Why? Because they had a, a adversarial relationship with the athlete. Yeah, that 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 story has that's long been played out, man. That that's ridiculous. It's about their achievements on the field. You, you know, you want to throw Ken Griffey Jr. in there too. Yeah. I mean, even outstanding. He was incredible. I mean, these are guys that that took the game to another level. That just played like men among boys at times. You know, and 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 had some incredible records, some incredible feats. Um, and, and I don't know, I just, you're right. I, I think it should have been made public and everybody knows who that one person is, or I, 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 we rarely get that, but you know, you gotta, you gotta back that up, man. You can, you gotta explain why. I agree. Uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I had, I had Bob Costas on my podcast yesterday and Bob, as you well know, is a, an avid baseball follower. And oh, yeah. we, we discussed the very same things and, he says, as long as he's been covering baseball, he's never understood the thought process. Uh, I mean, it's it's the Hall of Fame. And, and let me take it another step further. It's the Hall of Fame based on numbers. I get that. But if somebody dishonors the Hall of Fame, shouldn't they be removed? Yeah. 
if you're not letting them in because of certain things, yeah, you should take them out. Well, the, what I'm getting at, let's look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I yeah. walk into Canton, Ohio, and I've been there several times. I yeah. walk down the hall of Canton, Ohio, and I come to a plaque, and it says O.J. Simpson. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> okay. Now, look, he wasn't convicted of murder. Johnny Cochran did a magnificent job getting him off, but he did serve time in the in prison. And to me, part of the honor of being in the Hall of Fame, aside from the numbers, is did you bring honor or dishonor to the Hall of Fame? And if it's the latter, I don't understand how. In the, how do you explain that to your kids when you walk through the hall? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it's an interesting conversation that you're going to have to have because again, it's it's supposed to be about on the field. But there is another component that has to weigh in there, too, is, is that dishonorable part of it. I mean, it, it would be pretty interesting. You know, um, we have a lot of racist bigots that were in the Baseball Hall of Fame before. Uh, African-Americans or, or, you know what I mean, players that played at that time um, that probably shouldn't have been in there either. You know, because that's human rights. That's civil rights. And I think that, you know, if you if you start... Going down that rabbit hole, there's going to be a lot of empty spots. Hey, all I got to do is look at Ty Cobb. He was a notorious racist. Exactly. And, yeah, right? And so and he's still in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That, that's the one that I was thinking of right off the bat. Yeah. I, look, uh, he's Otis Livingston, the sports anchor of Channel 2. So you've witnessed the last two nights of the Subway Series. Um, and obviously the Mets win both. And uh, Sterling Marte... And Escobar with two heroes in both games. Scherzer pitches very well last night, did not get the win. But the Mets are now in a situation where the Braves got within a half a game a couple of days ago. Well, now the lead is back up to four in the loss column. I don't know how the thing's going to play out, but I'm going to suggest with the return of DeGrom and the way Scherzer's pitching, uh, I, I still see the Mets winning the NL East and the Braves getting the wild card which will be very interesting. Uh, I think New York fans would love to see Yankees-Mets in a World Series, but yeah. I get that. I wouldn't be disappointed to see Yankees-Dodgers in a World Series. Well, I'm a Dodger fan, so I would love yeah. to see that. <laughs> but um, uh, and I, and that would be outstanding to cover. You know, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they, they would love to have that battle. Here in New York, you know, the center of the baseball universe and come October, November, uh, being right here in New York City with all eyes on the two teams. Um, that would be exciting, just like we had back in 2000, you know, when the Yankees won. Um, I think the, the Mets have a better chance now, especially like you said, with, with Jacob deGrom coming back. And if he's, you know, anywhere near what he uh, was before, that they're going to be lights out, that pitching staff, especially at the top. Um, as far as the Yankees go, it seems like every year there's always the caveat of if they stay healthy. And now we're seeing the, the injury bug rear its ugly head in, you know, with the, with the pitchers and um, Chapman being out for so long. Now he's coming back and he's trying to get right, you know. Um, Giancarlo Stanton now possibly out two to three weeks. So they have to right the ship. They have a big lead in the division, obviously. Um, and they're trying to hold on to that top spot in the uh, overall major leagues and American League. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. They added that bat with uh, Benintendi last night. 
Um, so maybe we'll see less of Joey Gallo. Maybe uh, by next week when the trade deadline comes, he's out of here if they can get something for him. And it's been unfortunate because he seems like a good guy, but, man, he just seems lost. He seems, like every time he comes to the plate, it's almost an automatic out. Yeah, well, even when he hits the ball hard, it's right at somebody. Exactly. You know, which is kind of unfortunate. You mentioned Ben Attende. Good player. All-star caliber player. Hitting over 300. So, I, I look at this. I, I don't know about you, but I look at this as the beginning for the Yankees before Tuesday's trade deadline. I don't think they're through. No, I don't think so either. I mean... I think they're going to have to get uh, probably another uh, uh, relief pitcher or a couple pitchers for that pitching staff. Um, I, I'd be—it's just—it's just hard to understand because they have such a, a tremendous payroll, but they have two guys in the lineup, Hicks and, and Gallo, that are playing, you know, and, and coming up in meaningful spots and just aren't producing. Uh, Hicks has gotten a little hot here and there, but. They're, they're, they're pretty much almost an automatic out. So with that kind of payroll, the money has been spent, but the players aren't playing to the back of their baseball cards, and that's a problem. So now they have to go out and try to find some other guys, which you wouldn't have thought, especially the way they've been playing for the majority of the season. They, they've hit this rough patch and everything, but they're going to have to go out and get some players to uh, give themselves a better chance to win it all. Hey, Otis, it seems to me that Cashman's playing for now. I mean, he traded three minor league pitchers to, for Benintendi. Uh, it's like, all right, the farm system will survive and so on, but we're playing to win now. And, and there's no question in my mind. The best for the Mets, look, the, the, I think the Mets are a terrific team. And with the two ace starting pitchers that they've got at the top of the rotation and the way Lindor is playing and the way Escobar is hitting and Marte is hitting and obviously uh, the big first baseman, the polar bear, the way he's yeah. hitting – uh, I look. I'm a Braves fan. I don't mind telling you, but I I don't see the Braves beating the Mets out in the, in the division. They may meet in the postseason, which will be kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that if it happens. I mean, I don't know right now. I mean, they're playing really well right now. But as you know, you you watched a lot of baseball. You've seen the ebbs and flows and the and the tides turn. Um, the way the the Braves came on this year i mean it's just been incredible you know just like they did last year on their way to the world series um so they're not going to go away if the Mets slip up you know we, we've seen it happen before um so um if you're a met fan you're hoping that degrom comes back and he's healthy and he's like i said he's he's a lot like himself from the get-go and he builds up to being that two-time cy young award winner max scherzer stays you know as steady as he is bassett as well and you know Lindor, he can he can play better. He can hit better. You know he he, he has come through in some um, in some big spots. Um, but they're a solid lineup. It's going to be interesting to see how it comes down the stretch. Otis Livingston, sports anchor, Channel Two. Uh, meanwhile, the Yankees, I got to believe they're looking over their shoulder at the Astros. There's only two games separating the two of them, and the Astros have been a real pain in the Yankees' neck. They, they're, they're a loaded team. Uh, they got a lot going for them on the mound, in the field, at the bat. Uh, I could see this sucker going all the way down to the end of the year. Yeah, I can too. I mean, and and they've got, I don't know, it seems like they have this edge over the Yankees when they play. Yeah. You know, not just in the win column, but just psychologically, it seems like. It seems like 
if you look at it, remember the, the cheating Astros, the, all that stuff, the trash cans and all that. Um, you would have thought at, right at the beginning that the Yankees used that as motivation like every time they were going to play them. You know, we're going to show you, blah, blah, blah. You can't beat us if you're not cheating, blah, 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 blah. But it seems like it's, it's working the other way where the Astros are, you know, putting their thumb in their face. Like, <laughs> you know, we're still better than you. We're going to beat you every time we play you or, or we're going to be, you know, uh, competitive every time that we play you guys. It has nothing to do with the cheating. We, we have a chip on our shoulders. And, they, and then they have the talented players, you know, every season. <clears throat> excuse me. Seems like every time Altuve comes up in a big spot, he comes through. That's got to be frustrating too. Man, there's no doubt. And let's bring up Juan Soto. Um, you know, from uh, from Washington. I mean, here's a guy that could change the direction of a team. And the hottest rumor now, as of yesterday, was that the Dodgers are going to wind up getting him. Can you imagine the Dodgers with what they already have plus Soto? Wow! Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Yeah. the Dodger fans uh, not pointing any fingers at anyone here but you know that would be awesome man um, an embarrassment of riches right oh yeah <laughs> they're, they're, I mean could you imagine the Do- look I if I if I put the the Mets the Dodgers the Yankees the Braves and the Astros those five teams you're gonna see a World Series winner from one of those five teams any other team, would be a shocking upset to me. Yeah, I think so. That's that's pretty much the the class of the of the major leagues right there. You just mentioned them all, and you got the Mets and the Yankees in the top four. You know, um, so it's going to be the, that. That's probably like you said the the pool that you're going to get them from, um, and it's going to be some exciting baseball because they're all really really good. You know, um, I think like I said, the the Yankees have hit that bump now. They the injuries and and you know what you saw in these two games and, and pretty much since the all-star break has uh, uh has passed has been that they just aren't doing getting the clutch hits they're leaving men on base they're leaving men in running uh in scoring position and things like that which the first half of the season and the majority of the season they weren't doing they were hitting the home runs but they were also stealing bases getting guys in uh winning close games all that kind of right now lately um that has not happened you know, so they're going to have to get that going again. Again, Giancarlo stands out of the lineup for a while. Uh, some of these other guys are going to have to pick up the slack. Let's change gears a little bit and switch to the training camp in the NFL. The Giants and the Jets both uh, are going to be much improved. Um, the Jets, I think, probably are closer to a playoff spot than the Giants, but you never know. When you look yeah. at the Jets, uh, there, there was concern about Mekhi Becton, the offensive tackle. Would he come into camp in shape? Apparently, he did. I don't know if you've been out there yet. Yeah, I was out there yesterday. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you saw him or did he look like he was fit. What do you think? Yeah, no, he looked like he's in, in better shape, you know. And he had a he had a little. Um, uh, he's a man of few words, and he appeared to bristle a little bit, you know, um, when 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 asked about the weight situation, you know. But I I see that as him. Uh, Hearing the criticism about his work ethic, about his weight and things like that, and the question marks about him coming in and, and, and everything, I, I see him as using that as motivation as well. You know, not only just wanting to be uh, uh, 
the best player that he can be, but also to to prove to a lot of people that yes, he can do that. He's moved over to right tackle now. Uh, George Fan is is over on left tackle. They said it wasn't anything to do with with Makinon being able to do it, but he would be the more flexible of the two to go over to the right side, whereas Fan had a great year last year in his absence over on the left side, so they want to keep him there. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Otis Livingston of Channel 2. Look, the, the Jets are going to sink or swim on the arm of Zach Wilson, right? I mean, if he is, he had some ups last year. He had a lot of downs last year. Uh, you've been out there. Uh, it's kind of hard to draw an assessment of what he is now. But the one thing I do like about him is his preparation. Uh, he, he came to the Jets with a, uh, with a reputation of being an avid film watcher. Yeah. Uh, I, I I placed a lot a lot of stock in that. Yeah, I think that's that's the way you improve. That's you know you're a, you're a football junkie. You're uh, hell bent on improving and being the best quarterback that you can be. You're at the top level right now. You're in New York. Um, I doubt if they'll ever have to put a clause in his contract situation where he has to do independent film study. But that's another story for another yeah. another Arizona Cardinal. Uh, but yeah, that that's impressive. You know. And I think he also realizes that if he's going to get there, he's got to be at the top of his game. You know, you don't want to go into anything, uh, any situation just unprepared, man, especially on a, on a national or international stage. Um, so that has been really good to know. Uh, he did a, a, uh, a player bonding trip to Idaho uh, over the summer with some of his uh, uh, skills uh, receivers and everything, skilled players, and they just hung out. They they played football on the on the field, but they golfed, water skied, all kind of different stuff. And uh, you know, they they just to get to know each other, the, the, to speed up the gelling process, to to make it feel like we're more than just teammates, which will enhance that teammate relationship. I've been in situations like that where it's like, you know, I you know, I, I really want to go to battle with this guy, you know, mm. uh, not and losses but because he's a good guy and i know him and i know about him i asked him too uh if uh if they did any s'mores at night and sang any campfire songs or anything like that he's like yeah you know uh eric wilson broke broke out broke broke out the s'mores so you know it was a good time you know pacific north northwest is beautiful and from some of the images that we got the videos it looked like they had a great time look joe douglas set out before the draft to give Zach Wilson ammunition. Well, he did that. Uh, wide receiver is better. The wide receiver room is better. Uh, I think Elijah uh, uh, Elijah Moore is going to be a big-time player. Uh, yeah. I think Garrett's going to be a big-time player. They, they fortified their running back room with yeah. more depth. Uh, the offensive line looks pretty good. I, the one area I want to focus on is their defense, and I think the return of Carl Lawson is going to be huge. Last last training camp, he was the rave of the whole camp from day one. He was a guy every day that when we got reports or when we were out there that was wreaking havoc. That injury was devastating to that team. Um, and hey, they ended up last in in, uh, in defensive rankings. You know, all over the place. They, they had some historic pathetic numbers given. You know, of touchdowns and points scored against them. Um, I think there was a four-game stretch where they had given up 185 points 
something like that. That's ridiculous. So having him back, that's going to help. We got a chance to speak to him yesterday as well. And uh, he talked about being where he is. He doesn't place a, am I better than I was last year? Am I worse? He's just where he is right now. He's comfortable. Uh, He says there's no limitations. He doesn't think about it. And he said something that was very interesting. He said the physical part comes back a lot quicker than the, than the mental part mm-hmm. when, when you're coming back from a from a devastating injury like that. And I thought that was interesting. And he was just saying that he's where he wants to be right now, and he's just going to continue to get better. He's looking forward to getting back out there and, and wreaking havoc this year. He doesn't even want to think about last year, just where I am right now and going forward. Let's go to the other side of the stadium and the Giants. Uh, yep. I, I think they're improved. The question is how much. A couple of gigantic question marks. Daniel Jones, obviously. The Giants elected not to pick up the fifth-year option, which means he's playing for a contract right now. No doubt about it. And the other right. big question mark is Saquon Barkley. Well, give, yeah. me your read. give me your read on both. Well, yeah, it's make or break for, for Daniel Jones. It's pretty, it's pretty much put up or shut up. You know, um, He's going to have an opportunity. He's got some weapons as well. Um, and, and, and he's in a, a offense now with Brian Dayball and the Buffalo Bills type way, Josh Allen, you know, MVP candidate. He's got an opportunity. If he can make some plays, if he can use his legs, cause Josh Allen did that too. You know, he's a, he's a passer, but he, he uses legs and Daniel Jones is known for being able to run. So if he can get that passing part down and run when it's necessary or designed, then he's going to be okay. You know, because everyone that you talk to says he has the tools his problems uh his problem for the majority of his career of his career has been the turnovers he was putting the ball on the ground a lot and into the other players hands the opponent's hands a lot so right. if he can clean that up it, it, it's now or never for him that it's just that simple uh, there's no guessing as far as saquon barkley you know it's been tough man that rookie year was was great and the injuries have held him back a lot um I'd love to see him get back to being who he was. Again, this offense is hopefully going to accentuate the positives for him and, and get him some passes out of the backfield so they can get an open field run um, and make some big plays. And, 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 and we'll see if he can get back there. We don't know. You know, um, that he, he set the bar pretty high that rookie year. Um, and like I said, with, with, with the injuries that have subsequently happened, you know, it set him back. So we're going to see. Those two are the are the biggest question marks on that team. The defense is going to be okay. Um, so we're going to see, man. That everybody right now thinks that they can win the Super Bowl, except for maybe the Detroit Lions. <laughs> but you know, it's that you know, hope springs eternal right now. So they they have to get out on the field, get through the preseason, and then kick off for real. Well, the guy that's uh, kind of opened up a few eyes is their top draft choice, Kayvon Thibodeau. He looks like he looks like the real deal. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got a good feeling about this guy. You know, and he was embracing the New York market. You know, a lot of guys want to come here, but I don't know if they really, really understand what it's going to take. You know, um, good or bad, Jets and Giants are going to make headlines. You know, nationally, it's the eyes are going to be on them just because of the market itself. Um, but I feel like I talked to uh, Harry Carson. Um, earlier this summer and he was just talking about how impressed he was with him you know and he can't wait to see him get out there on the field and 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 uh, continue that linebacker tradition that is a long 
standing with the New York Giants. So um, I, I like that choice. I think he's ready. I think he's embracing it. He's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to miss some plays. He's going to do this and that. But I think he has the tools to be a, a really good football player in the NFL. Otis, uh, we're about 100 days away from the opening of NBA training camp, but a lot of news emanating from the Knicks camp, emanating from the Nets camp as well, dealing with the Knicks first. They go out and sign Jalen Brunson to in excess of $100 million. That's a yeah. number that's usually reserved for either a superstar or an all-star, of which to yeah. this point Brunson is neither. But he is a good point guard, no question about that. Right. This clearly screams out that the Knicks were desperate and they had to pay whatever they had to pay to get who they wanted. Yeah, you remember... Mike Conley with the Grizzlies, right? Right. He was the highest paid player in the league and had never made an all-star team. He was never the number one point guard in the NBA. He never made anything like that, but he was the highest paid player at one point in time. That just goes to show you the importance that that person is to that organization. What it meant on the court, jersey sales, production, whatever it was, they, they get that formula, and then they decide this is what we're going to pay him. And they wouldn't want, they did not want him to go. It's the same thing with Jalen Brunson, with all the connections. Uh, his father, represented by Leon Rose, his father now uh, on the coaching staff, Leon's son representing Jalen. All those co- co- connections made them comfortable enough that they were going to get him and bring him to the New York Knicks. You know, they have that relationship. Um, that had to be worth. Uh, 20, 30, 40 million, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. they felt they needed to upgrade that position. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. And at times when you get that kind of money, it's unfair because you're going to take the money. You know, whether you're worth it or not, you're going to take the money. But it also brings a lot of added pressure to be a savior. To that, Like you said, that is reserved for those upper echelon players. Now, just because the Knicks thought that he was deserving of that or that that's what it was going to take to bring him here, we're going to see if that's worth it. He doesn't have another player like Luka. He doesn't have knockdown shooters. In my estimation, I mean, uh, I, I guess Evan Fournier, he's hot and cold. But they don't have those guys to surround him. So that puts even more of a burden on him to be an offensive scorer. And all the other things that come along with being the point guard on a, on a, on a team under the microscope. So it's, uh, again, here we are, New York. It's, 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 uh, it's going to be interesting when that heat gets turned up on opening night. Well, we're not done yet with the Knicks. You know, obviously Donovan Mitchell is rumored to be a Nick. What it's going to take, I'm not sure. But here's Utah that's tanking, basically. I mean, Gobert's gone. Mitchell's likely to go. Whether the Knicks uh, give Utah what they want, I don't know. But Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a really good player. Yes, he is. If Brunson needs the ball in his hand, well, you got Julius Randle. Who needs the ball in his hand? So the question is, would would you be surprised if Julius Randle was moved? I wouldn't be surprised. Um... They have to figure that all out. I mean, because not only – so what happens is, though, you need players. You know what I mean? I don't see anybody outside of Julius Randle and, and – I mean, R.J. Barrett. Who, who are they going to give up to get Donovan? I don't – well, the way, I, the way I understand it is uh, that Utah is not particularly enamored with, with taking Barrett as part of the deal. Wow, that's interesting. Because of because of finances. Young player, uh, 
would be enticing to them. And, and, and Barrett is coming off a solid year yep. last year. Yep. Big game. I, I see him ascending. You know, I don't see him plateauing off. I, I see him ascending. So I thought that that would be a must in that deal because I'm not. I'm looking up and down the roster. I'm not seeing a hell of a lot that's just you know that that much enticing. You know, like you said, it's a fire sale, but you still want to be representative on the court. You know, you still want to have some guys that are going to be able to bring people through the turnstiles. And, and, and they've been competitive the last few years. They've never been able to get over the hump. But you want to have a representative team, don't you? Yeah, but I think the thing with Barrett was his contract. I don't think Utah wants to take on the money because they're going to have to re- they're going to have to sign him with a, with right. a rookie with a rookie deal. Uh, right. And I don't know that they want that money, and I think that's the reason, not his ability. Wow. Well, that's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it, you know. Um, but I just, I just felt like, as a young player, as an ascending player, that he would most likely be part of the deal. But so you're telling me that? Okay. So are they going to be interested in Julius Randle? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. No, but it, it, it will. Work- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said it's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they get paid the big bucks to make those kind of decisions. I, I thought it would have been a no-brainer that he, he would have to be a part of the deal. I, I You know, I'm interested in that type of uh, lineup with Donovan and Jalen Brunson. Like you said, they, have, they both have to have the, the ball in their hands, and now you're telling me R.J. Barrett, who, again, is an ascending young player who played well and showed that he could be a leader of the team. Is he going to take a backseat to those two guys? The size in the backcourt kind of concerns me as well. Neither one of them are is over 6'2", I think. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do. And, and I'm not saying that they don't play defense, but they it's definitely not their hallmark. And with Tom Thibodeau, isn't that supposed to be kind of his calling card? Yep. So a lot of questions that go into it. I think the problem with the Knicks is that they screwed it up the first time when Donovan was coming out in the draft. He was available. Yep. And they went with Frank. And I'm still scratching my head. After yeah. What saw, because after all those years, even with the Mavericks now, he's got a, a fresh break. I still didn't see anything. <laughs> So I'm just I, I'm just curious, you know, why a homegrown a homegrown kid right in your backyard wants to be here. Pretty much proved himself to be a good player in college at, at Louisville. What's the problem? I don't know. Well, if you if the Knicks get all of those pieces, with the East being deeper and tougher than it's been in years, are the Knicks anything more than a play-in team? If they get all of what now? If they get all, they get Donovan Mitchell, okay? Yeah. They keep yeah. Barrett. Yeah. Julius Randle, whether he stays or he doesn't stay, are they anything more than a play-in team? Uh, oh, man. I, I'm a Donovan fan. Known him since he's eight, nine years old, man. I, uh, I hope <laughs> they would be better than a play-in. Oh, my God. I'm wondering. Um, yeah, the only reason why I say it, the only reason why I say it is because you look at Boston. They pick yeah. up Malcolm Brogdon and Gallinari to an already a, a finals team. You got yeah. Milwaukee. Middleton's coming back. Miami's yeah. going to be tough. Uh, yeah. Philadelphia's going to be tough. Atlanta got better with the addition of Murray. Uh, yes. You know, I, that's why I asked that question. Are they anything more than a playing team? 
Well, they're going to definitely be a lower end of the of the playoff picture. Right. That that's for sure. You know, um, if, if it's seven, eight play in, I, I, you know, in that area, I don't know. Um, but if they're going to use all these assets and, and and try to bring these guys in, they have to be better than that. They have to be. You know, um, I think they're excited about Jericho Sims. I don't know if he's an NBA starting center. Um, Mitchell Robinson, up and down. Um, to me, still a project. Um, injury bug has gotten him a lot too, so you can't really count on that as much. Um, this KD situation might impact uh, KD and Kyrie. Those situations might impact the what the what the Brooklyn Nets are, are going to look like next year. Um, I have a feeling they're both going to be here when when the opening night happens. So we'll, we'll of course we'll be monitoring that. So I agree. Uh, I, I would hope that if they use all those assets, though, that they will be better than a play-in team. I agree with your assessment of KD and, and Kyrie. The only problem the Nets have, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, they're not going to give Kyrie a four-year deal, which is what he wants. They're not going right. to do that, uh, which means he's going to be free at the end of the year, and they won't get anything in return. If I'm exactly. the Nets, I'm, I know you're not going to get more than 50 cents on the dollar because of his issues on and off the court, right. mo- mostly off the court. Yes. Um, I don't care. I, I, you, got, you can't keep that guy for the year because you're going you're gonna to get nothing in return and even if you get something for him, it's better than nothing. But I don't see him as a, as a net beyond this season. I agree. I agree. And um, all indications are that, you know, when he gets his opportunity, whether it's via the trade or a free agency, that he wants to be with the Lakers. Um, so you're right. I think they should try to get the best deal that they can and figure out uh, the best place to move them, you know, preferably out west away from them because he'll come back and destroy them every time um i think that i mean i heard the other day that he says that he wants to be with the nets regardless if kd goes or not so that he just sends so many mixed messages man you just just don't know man what is the deal are you all in are you out are you just trying to play a good soldier until it's time for your your contract to run out and then run and you know, it's just—he's just very confusing. No, no questioning his talent on the basketball court, but there's a lot that goes into uh, having a relationship with him. No, there's no question. Hey, every night when they play a game, it's fifty-fifty. He's going to show up. <laughs> you know, that's not a good thing. Hey, you're a California guy, right? You tell me, tell me, tell me, uh, Mister LA, what yeah. do the Lakers do with very little options? Sleepless nights. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't. And and on top of that, LeBron may not sign an extend, extension. Yeah. So now you're really going back to ground zero, or excuse the uh, uh, the term there. But you're you're going back to square one, you know. Um, and are you going back to square one with Anthony Davis, who you can't actually count on up until this? year in the past year you know a couple years lebron has been pretty much an iron man uh going deep in the playoffs pretty much every year of his career Mm -hmm. he's been an iron man so that kind of relationship i can see long term anthony davis 
he's always hurt. When he played in the bubble, he was great. He was sensational. That's the guy that that got to the top 75 all the time, which I'm not so even sure that he deserves to be there. I think Dwight Howard deserves to be there over him. But I don't know if I want or would be confident in him being the leader going forward if LeBron doesn't sign an extension, you know? Do you have, uh, before I let you go, do you have any interest in covering the LIV tournament in Bedminster? Not at all. Good for you. Uh, that whole story makes me sick. I don't mind telling you. Yeah, not at all. I have no interest in that. You know, um, Bubba Watson, I guess, went over there yesterday. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, no, I, I have no interest. I mean, we cover it because it's a story, um, but I, I'm i not going out there. Well, a friend of mine passed away in 9-11. He happened to be in, in the World Trade Center that morning. Uh, his Sorry. wife, Lisa, is going to be one of those protesting today. Uh, and she talked to me yesterday, and she said they're expecting thousands to protest. Uh, I just find it interesting. That, yeah. uh, look, yeah. I don't want to get into it only because I think this whole story makes me sick. I think the players, don't give me the excuse you're doing it for the money. Please, where the hell is your pride? Where's your allegiance to the tour that made you who you are? Right, right, yeah. I mean, it, the, the, the weird part is when they try to say it's to grow the game. <laughs> no, it's not. It is about the money. Um, there have been a couple, I think Pat Perez came out and talked about the money and things like that. And yeah, you, you're, you're definitely, uh, that's horrible. That, that relationship is horrible to me and I don't get it. Um, and again, but I will say this too, I'm not so naive to say if someone offered me $200 million, that I wouldn't think about it or that I, I don't know what I would do. I, I, I don't have that, but I believe that inside of me that that's not, that's not anything that I would be interested in. I'm with you, my man. You, uh, you stay safe. Thanks a million. You're always a joy to talk to and you stay safe. You too. All that. Thank you, man. Once again. Thank you. Otis Livingston channel two in New York, as we have taken a bite of the big apple with Otis. I don't want to belabor the LIV issue couple of things annoy me beyond belief. You got a former president of the United States that that's his golf course in Bedminster. He's going to play in the Pro-Am or today, I think. I don't care. It's not political. I don't care. He's going to go where he's going to get more people saying, oh, how great you are. He's not being, he's not afraid of being booed. The fact of the matter is the PGA Tour has taken tournaments away from him. And he's been vindictive about this. And he's having this LIV tournament at his golf course. Would have expected nothing less. The fact of the matter is strictly from a golf point of view. The key to golf, and it started when Arnold Palmer ruled the roost with him and Jack Nicholas, where golf was born on television because of those two guys. And then Tiger Woods and what he has meant to the PGA Tour. Kids think golf is cool now because of Tiger Woods. Tiger's not a, a fan of the LIV, but he won't go into great detail, and that's fine. Rory McIlroy has been against it, and a lot of other players have been against it. But the biggest issue 
Where's that tour going to be on television in America? CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN, TNT, they've all got working agreements with the PGA Tour. They're partners. They're not going to any one of those networks. So they'll stream it. That's the wave of the future. I get that. But it's not going to expose the tour at the level they need to be now or for the foreseeable future. I like golf. I've played golf. I love the game. I love watching it on television. I love Tiger Woods. I'm a big fan of Tiger Woods. I'm a big fan of Rory McIlroy. I was a huge fan of Arnold Palmer, particularly after I sat down and did an interview with him years ago at Augusta. Golf, to me, it's a great individual sport, which tests your courage. Case in point, I played Augusta twice. The second time I played it, and the golf course from Tita Green is not difficult. What's difficult is the greens, the bunkers, the undulations of those greens, and getting close to the hole. Very difficult. That's where the challenge is. But you don't have a lot of difficult lies. Uh, you don't have a lot of rough. So I come to the 13th hole. It's par 5. And I hit a really good drive. I'm about 205 yards away from the green. Over water. The caddy gives me a 7-iron. I said, why are you giving me the 7-iron? He says, just because you're going to lay up. I said, Willie, let me explain something to you. If you think I came to play Augusta National and lay up on a par 5 when I have a chance to get home, you're sadly mistaken. Well, you know, a lot of guys put the ball in the water yesterday. I said, yeah, and they're pros. If you think I'm not going to give it a shot, even if it goes in the water, you're sadly mistaken. Give me the 5-wood. And I hit a really good shot. And it bounced on the green and rolled over the back. And I had a shot. But I felt like I was a million bucks. I had just reached the par 5 13th at Augusta National. And I was proud of myself that I did what I had to do and executed it. And believe it or not, when I got up to the green and saw what I had, I had a little bit of a pitch with a sand wedge got like four feet from the hole and made the birdie. That's a, that's a cherished memory. I would not have had that memory if I laid up. But again, it's a monument and a testimony to the game of golf. It's the most important major that there is, Augusta National. You win that green jacket at Augusta National. That's more important than winning the Open Championship in England or Scotland, or wherever. It's more important than winning the U.S. Open. It's more important than winning the PGA Championship. It's Augusta National. I drove down that uh, the driveway as you're going towards the club, and I stopped my car, and I looked around, and I'm thinking, wow. The only other time I did that was when I, I was doing a game at Notre Dame. And I, I had a cab ride from the airport to Notre Dame. We were staying there. And I asked the cab driver to, to wait. I got out of the cab and looked ahead, and there was the Golden Dome in South Bend. That's history. 
These are the things that get people excited about sports history. Just thought I'd share that with you. Thanks to Otis Livingston of Channel 2 in New York for being a part of Howard David Live. We've taken a bite of the Big Apple, and you stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.